Well, let's go to Morgantown, check in on the Mountaineers with Mike Casaza. He is with Ear Sports covering the West Virginia Mountaineers, of course, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. He's on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Uh, Mike, let's start on the hardwood. This team had a heck of a game on Monday night taking on Texas Tech. And when you look back on that game and and this team and kind of how this season has gone, does that game on Monday night in some ways feel like a turning point for this team in this very strange COVID season? You know, Pete, I want to say yes because, well, they, they can't win the Big 12 without it. I'm still not sure they can. And it's a lot better than the alternative. And I say that because a loss would be really bad. But they've had such a problem with, you know, the pause for two weeks. And, you know, they've lost some some games against good teams. You know, they really went at it with Baylor. And that was a, a one-possession game late and a bad block charge kind of cost them points. Um, could have been, I think, a one-point game. Instead, it was three throws the other way. And it goes uh, to the number one team in the country. They were leading – Texas, which was number four, and lost on a last-second shot. Um, they came back from 20 down against Oklahoma and almost won. So, you know, their four losses kind of come with some, you know, only one against Kansas is a bad one so far. So they've been really close. And I think to to have a lead that was double digits and then to fall down double digits and to get back in the game and have a chance to shoot and win and get it means a lot. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> however, um, the schedule is absurd coming up. Um, they play five games in 11 days. They have back-to-back games against Baylor. Um, they have Oklahoma, which just has their number before Baylor, then two against Baylor, and then Texas after Baylor. Um, I don't know how you do that. Uh, this is a COVID <laughs> thing because of the rescheduling. But I want to say, yeah, hey, here comes West Virginia, new offense, free wheeling, shooting threes. But um, they just play a Saturday, Monday. They, they look pretty beat, and they somehow found a way to win that game. They get a week off here, and they play Saturday against uh, Florida, pretty good team. Um, and then they just go into this absolute root canal part of the schedule. I, I could not agree more. Now, uh, you know, one one part of this that also makes the last several weeks interesting was the Oscar Tshibwe leaving for Kentucky. I, I thought Bob Huggins was pretty straightforward about this, just kind of insinuating maybe that there was some funny business. Uh, how much should we read into that? And how did this relationship ultimately break down, Mike? You watch any of the preseason games? I shouldn't say preseason. The non-conference ones, like when they played in South Dakota or they had a home game against some, you know, other conference teams. Do you happen to catch any of those? Uh, yeah, just bits and pieces, but not like you guys were. Tell me, tell me this rings a bell. There's a play-by-play guy named Chris Patola who's really good, um, and coaches liked him. I mean, he's been on the Duke staff. Coaches like him. They talked to him. And in the South Dakota tournament and then against one of their non-conference games, he just buried Sheepway and said that, you know, he could have spent more time on his game. He enjoyed his celebrity too much over the summer. He didn't commit himself like he should have. And you're wondering, where the heck did he get that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably from the coaching staff, right? One of yeah. those day-before meetings that I'm sure you know about. So this is something that maybe wasn't a secret, and I think the lips were loose enough that it just casually came out in conversation because that's how prevalent it was around there. Um, he had something of some personal nature go on, and like everybody else, you were away for a long time in the summer and he doesn't have, you know, a mom and dad in the States. He lives with other people. And I think other people can see a kid that's impressionable and say, wait a minute, this guy can make us some money. You know, he can get us a commission. He can get us a percentage. He can get us a job on a college staff somewhere if we play our cards right. And you also have a guy who was really good as a freshman, I think fits the mold in, in some regard of what a professional athlete should look like. And I think the wrong people get that idea in their head and they say, wait a minute, What's happening here at this team that likes to rebound and play defense 
isn't good for my guy who could be a 20-point-per-game player in the Big 12. Not sure it's true, but people think that. And the poison pill happens, and all of a sudden, the kid starts thinking, well, maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe I don't want to rebound. Maybe I don't want to play defense. Maybe I don't want to commit to these practices and these drills and these things we do because I should be getting 20 and 12 every night. Um, no one told Oscar he couldn't go out and get 20 and 12. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure West Virginia would have loved that. But he had it in his head, I think, somehow that this just wasn't a spot for him. Um, and then, you know, there's there's a cultural thing, too. And this is a long-winded explanation I don't because I don't want to blame just the kid. And this is someone who's from another country and only played in the States for a couple of years. He was the man in high school. Um, he was on a state championship team. It was really easy for him. It was fun. They were always winning. He goes in the summer tournament circuits and the AAU and the sneaker, tur- sneaker circuits, and everybody loves him. He's a great guy. He's a top 25, top 50 player. He's a four-star. He's a five-star. It's fun. It's cool. It's easy again. It's different in college. It just is. And that's one thing for a kid to um, to adjust to, and some people do, some people don't. But when you talk about the offseason and the dedication, this is the same with a lot of players in other sports too, whether it's soccer or basketball or people who come from another country and play here. They don't understand what college sports are. They don't understand it's a 20 or 12 month job. They don't understand what the off season is like, you know, their off season in high school or their off season in another country is going to the beach, hanging out yeah. with friends, you're out of school, you're having fun. And I think that that maybe could have been massaged better. There, no one's innocent in this. Some people are more guilty than others, but, um, just corrupting influences that just chipped away and chipped away and chipped away and finally leveraged him to where, you know, he put up 12 and 15 one day and came in the next day and said, that's enough. I'm going somewhere else. Wow. Really strange. You don't see that very often. Very strange indeed. He's Mike Casaza covers the uh, Mountaineers for Ears Sports, part of the 247 Sports Network. Before we continue with Mike, guys, please take a moment out when the show ends, when this podcast ends, and leave a rating and a review. It helps us tremendously keep building this show, and it's because of you that we can do it. So leaving a rating and a review will also send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Uh, When you leave that rating and review and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. So shoot us that, uh, that rating and review, and we've got a Heartland College Sports koozie coming your way. All right, thanks so much for doing that, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, Mike, let's touch on some football, and if we have time at the end, we'll circle it back to the hoop side of things. But, you know, I look at this team, and I see Dante Stills coming back and, you know, 9 of 11 back on defense, but I just can't help but get that Liberty Bowl out of my mind and the fact that Daigie got uh, got pulled in that game for Austin Kendall, which, you know, didn't make – I mean, he wasn't playing well, but it still was a weird move. This team can't take that next step till it figures out the quarterback position. Where is West Virginia in that position right now? That's the you know the biggest question here I think because you got a guy who who has played a full season and then kind of interned last season and ended up starting games he redshirted um, and started the final three games started ten games this year so you're like wow basically like a three year starter coming back you would think and here's the weird part Pete he hasn't used any of his eligibility he still has two years left so with the free year last year as a redshirt and the free year this year because of COVID he hasn't used any of his clock. So he could be a guy who plays four years and counts two seasons of eligibility. That's a rare thing. You think, well, big picture, what would it be like to have a guy that experienced in the 2022 season? I'm not sure he's a guy in 2021 though. That's the issue. Yeah. Um, they have a dual threat quarterback who can run and do some things. And Brown has been really open about, you got to have a guy who can scram for eight yards on third and six. You got to have a guy who can feel a blitz wiggle and hit a deep ball down the sideline. And they just don't have that Daggy's not mobile. Um, 33 starts, 28. He's had negative yardage rushing. 
And that's just kind of indicative of the fact that he can't get out of trouble. Even if he has a sack, he's not going to avoid the second one to get him positive yards. So they got to fix that. The trouble is they don't, you know, the transfer portal is popular and the backups are redshirt freshmen. He'll be a redshirt freshman. So what do you have? You have a guy that you know, and you have a guy you don't know. And if you go get a portal guy, you really don't, you're not in the market for a backup quarterback. You got to get somebody who could beat Daigie or who could give you that dual threat look that the backup Garrett Green gives you. So it's a very finite market and it's competitive, as you well know, to get those guys. So um, I'm sure they're searching. It's going to be hard to unseat him. And again, they don't need a backup. They don't need another arm. They have that. They need someone who can come in and, and be different, but be better. It's going to be hard to find, I think. It is. Now, what about uh, Neil Brown? I mean, he was uh, briefly tied to Auburn. You know, there was uh, no real rumblings about Tennessee, but some no. Tennessee fans tried to tie him to that. I mean, this guy, I think he's a perfect fit for Morgantown, but obviously, you know, he made his bones in and around SEC country. How much concern is there over Neil Brown's um, want to be here for the long haul? Minimal, I think. Um, I think the West Virginia fans see a school like South Carolina and say, that's a parallel step. It's not a better job. And they see a school like Auburn and say, why would they want our guy? And it's just kind of a weird thing that makes sense. You know, um, I, everything you just said is right. And I, I don't think that there's a, a way you close the door on him going to an SEC job. Uh, I'd be really worried if Kentucky came open because that's where he's from. Um, I would also be worried if a higher level power five job came open in in a couple of years i wouldn't say next year um he's doing a massive rebuild here and i think if he wants to leave he wants to have this thing where he's leaving because he's won at a high level here he's won 10 11 12 games he's won a big 12 he's played in the cfp that's what's going to get him to a job where he doesn't have to rebuild he doesn't have to do this again this is long hard work i think he'd like to go into a turnkey operation so he'd have to earn that with wins and longevity here so i think west virginia fans are, are calm about that um, probably in a way rooting for their success, but maybe not so soon, not so much. They have to go through a coaching search again. But um, imminently, I don't know, inevitably, probably, that I think that he could parlay success into something big. But I think he's going to have to produce a success, and he wants to produce a success here. Rebuilds yeah. are tough. I don't think you want to jump from one rebuild to another. You know, Mike, you bring up something there that, that this was a massive rebuild. I, I would say um, even fans across the Big 12 were probably surprised by how big of a rebuild this was. I, w how is it possible that Dana Holgerson let this left this cupboard so bare? All right, Pete, we're gonna we're gonna duel here for a little bit because I, I I'll push back on you there. Um, their defense is really good. Their yeah. defense is largely juniors and seniors. They did go out and they got a portal addition in Tony Fields. That's good. That counts. But yeah. Stills brothers, Stills uh, brothers, Sean Mahone, yes. yeah, uh, you know, Drayshawn Miller is our top cornerback. Um, those are guys who committed to or were on the roster when he got here. A lot of the the rebuild that happens is because they lost a number of players through the, the portal uh, oh, in okay. Brown's first and second offseason. But, hey, they were on the roster and they weren't. He couldn't get them to stay, and that's not incumbent on him to do that. You don't want to keep guys who don't want to be here, and if they like the other guy more than you, they're probably not going to like you. So good riddance, I guess that's the way it goes. But um, he has good young players. But, again, like Tyke Smith, sophomore, really good player, committed to the previous regime. So young enough that it's a second year in Neil Brown's second year, but who got him at campus, right? Yeah. So there's different ways to look at that. Now, that said, who's coaching him? That's what matters, right? You can only cook with what's in the cupboard, and he and his staff have done a really good job on defense, especially through some off-season tumult and having to flip their coaching staff around. Uh, don't take anything away from that. Wouldn't dare do that. They've achieved it on the field, but a lot of personnel they, they had on hand to work with. Yeah, I, that's, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. 
Uh, Mike, also on the football side of things, I'm always curious to talk to when I talk to people in Morgantown that either cover the team or are just fans of the team, um, how they feel like as we're, geez, I mean, almost a decade into this Big 12 West Virginia relationship, how you guys feel about it. I think the Mountaineers are a perfect cultural fit for this conference. I'd like them to be closer so that other Big 12 fans can experience Morgantown, which is awesome on game day. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, I feel like it's a good fit for everybody. Are West Virginia fans, is the university, is the program happy with this marriage? You would think the answer would be yes now or that it would be definitive one way or the other. It's just still kind of a, a what do we have here. I think it's because very few fans have gone to Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament. It's different than Madison Square Garden. One, can't drive there quite as easily. And two, everybody went to MSG. It was fun. And the team was always toast of the town because they had a bunch of New York players. Um, so that's one thing that's different. They haven't quite embraced it in basketball. And Big East basketball, like, it, it was really humming when they left. Yeah. And that was as good as it got with a definitive brand, tradition, you know, legacy coaches and players. And you're just like, wow, this is our thing. We're, and they were really good at it, too. They were a Big East basketball school. Mm-hmm. Um, What's Big 12 basketball? Uh, it's a little bit different now. They're fitting into it, oddly enough, because they've kind of moved into this offensive first era. So that's that's one thing, too. Football, um, you know, it's cool to get Oklahoma one year and Texas one year at, at home. I think that's fun because they, they had a hard time getting major names in here when they were in the Big East to play football. Like, LSU was a big one. Auburn was a big one. But beyond that, eh. But now you're getting Oklahoma one year and Texas one year. That's cool. But they haven't been to Austin. They haven't been to Norman. Um, you know, and, and so the road trips are tough, I think, and that's that kind of – loses some of the luster. The other part about it is, too, is they don't get any favors. The officiating really does bug them, I think. It just seems like for, for there's always a bad call in football and basketball. The bowl system hasn't helped them at all. It hasn't put them into a like an Alamo Bowl, for example. It's, it's put Iowa State in instead because, hey, Iowa State's fans travel to the games. Well, it's because they get put into the big games. Put West Virginia into the Alamo Bowl against Mike Leach. Dana Holgerson, Mike Leach, that would have been a fun game, right? Yeah. Um, instead, it goes to Iowa State, and you don't give West Virginia that chance to say, hey, we can draw 20,000 fans to a bowl game, right? So things like that take time, I'm sure, but they were winning at a pretty high level in football before that and just never really got, you know, any accommodations there. And they're, they're kind of starting from scratch now because for a new coach. And, you know, this year I don't know what, what exactly happened, but, you know, they ended up with Army in a bowl game and, and won it. And I just wonder what would happen if, you know, uh, a so-so bowl game against a service academy and they lose. Maybe it doesn't do them a whole lot of favors in the future here. That's mm-hmm. one thing that's going to have to really update. They had to win postseason games, but they actually had to get in the postseason games that matter. You know, if that's in Dallas for a Big 12 championship, if that's in, again, San Antonio for an Alamo Bowl, that's when I think they can probably start to open up and say, hey, we actually arrived with football. We have a coach other people want who wants to be here. That's fun. That's unique. Um, they don't really worry so much about basketball because they got the got the future Hall of Famer in charge there. But football has been so uneven um, for so long now that, win some games, prove to some people that they actually are this, you know, you're not going to be top shelf with Texas and Oklahoma. I get that, but can they be somebody who competes every couple of years because of roster continuity and you know, consistency with schemes and offense and defense? Yeah, I think they can. I really do. He is uh, Mike Casasa does a great job covering the Mountaineers for Ears Sports, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Mike, great to have you on the show. Really appreciate the time. Thanks a lot, Pete. Anytime. Love having Mike Casaza on the show. And before you close out, leave a ring and a review. All right, we've got free Heartland College Sports koozies for you. When you leave me a rating and a review on this show and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. It really helps out so much. That's why we offer this koozie to you guys as a small token of our appreciation. Thank you for all you guys do and uh, listening 
and helping us build this thing from the grassroots. It's, it's because of you that it's done so well. So thank you guys, and we'll talk to you soon.